Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. And we are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. Rocket Mortgage with you every step of the way to provide a seamless mortgage experience. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio, 855-2124-CBS, 855-2124-227. Also tonight, 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific, CBS Sports Network brings you Big East hoops as 12th-ranked Seton Hall faces as a tough road. It's a test against Providence. Hopefully John Fan is going to be there. Part of the Big East Network. Great broadcaster, that young John Fanna. Hell of a guy. It's Ken Carbon on CBS Sports Radio, 855-2124-CBS. It's a little early in the process to be doing this, so don't get mad at me. I won't spend the next hour on it. I'm going to spend this segment on it. I didn't think I'd actually do it today. I got the five most satisfying and disappointing seasons. I'm going to make Hickey choose right now to America. What do you want to do next? Do you want to do the five most disappointing or satisfying seasons, or do you want to do five burning questions? Which Ooh. one do you want to do, Hickey? Selfishly, I think we have some good burning questions. I'm never going to be able to get the satisfying answer. Okay, let, let's do let's do the satisfying. No, no, that, no, 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 because it'll work in the spring too, so it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm going to say that one of the most disappointing seasons has to be the 49ers, and people are going to be upset. But it's been two weeks since the Super Bowl. I just worked so hard on it, and now I don't get to do it. So to hell with it. Fine, we'll do five burning questions next. Okay, you decided we're going to do it. Okay. Okay. By the way, if you want to debate the airplane thing, we did that at 11 o'clock. The whole show has been a mess because we were behind, technical problems. We'll get to your calls. Da-da, da-da, da-da. Fine. I'm not going to just spend the rest of the segment on this. It's just, <laughs> I tell you, I thought that this was going to be a year where I sat here every single Saturday and told you guys, listen, stop calling me about potential trades to the Cincinnati Bengals. They're not, they shouldn't listen. They're not going to listen. They're taking Joe Burrow number one overall. Forget it. Forget it. Then I heard a couple of rumors coming out. And then you got to remember who his dad is. Then I think, all right, maybe we should open it up to those people who want to make crazy trades. Because I just had Jason Lock and Four on from CBS Sports. I asked him. Possibility Joe Burrow uh, might not be too thrilled about going to Cincinnati. This is what he had to say. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you watch Bengals football the last 40 years, I mean, I'm 46 years old. Except for the occasional, you know, they had a, a couple of years under Ken Anderson and a couple of years under Boomer. And, I mean, they had a nice run with Marvin. They didn't win any playoff games. I mean, you know, the infrastructure, there's no creature comforts there. They don't have the same scouting resources as other organizations. They don't have the same technological resources, IT resources, training facilities. Um, you know, when, when Carson Palmer comes out and says they never really were about Super Bowls and Carson Palmer's brother is training Joe Burrow for the combine, like, I mean, come on, man. Like, Ooh. you're, you're going to tell me that, that this isn't it's to some degree coordinated? Now, will Ooh. they take it to the max? You know, the way Tom Condon did for Eli Manning in San Diego years ago? I don't know if they're willing to go DEFCON or not. But if I'm the Bengals, I'm trying to get in Mike Brown's ear and saying, if this doesn't have to be a stare down. This doesn't have to be a death watch. Like, you know, we could get a massive haul for that pick and also find an option at quarterback as a, as a, as a Band-Aid and maybe more in the short term. And we'll have a shot at a generational quarterback the following year as well. Yeah, 
eBay. I guess I shouldn't really be surprised. Going back to what Carson Palmer was saying, this is what Carson Palmer told DA back during Super Bowl week. That's why I wanted out. Is I don't, I don't, I never felt like the organization was really trying to win a Super Bowl and really chasing a Super Bowl, because that's that's what today's day and age is. The, the game today is you can't just hope you draft well and and not not go after free agents and you just you end up in the Super Bowl. You got to go get it. And I then went and played for Michael Bidwell in Arizona, and Michael was all about winning. Everything was about winning. The the culture was about winning, and and we you know. Very fortunately, you know, I, the year before I got to Arizona, I think they'd won a couple games or three or four games. And Michael Bidwell dug his feet in the ground, and, and I saw an owner say, we're going to go after We're going to go after this. We're, we're going to do what it takes to win. And at the end of the day, when owners do what it takes to win and, and have that type of mentality um, and everybody's on board, you know, I, I saw it right before my eyes. We, we, you know, 10 wins, 11 wins, 12 wins, whatever it was, those next three years. And, and um you know, when when the organization is completely behind doing what it takes to win, then and, and you got the right players, then that's that's the recipe uh, for a Super Bowl. When when you got good players, but you're not really you know not really forcing everybody in the organization's hand to do what we can to be better, to do what we can to win a Super Bowl. Um, you know that that that's that's the difference in the NFL. You look at what Bob Kraft's done. Um, you look at, at the teams that have had success year in year out. You look at what goes on in Baltimore. I mean, that team is always good. That team is doing whatever it takes. They're willing to do whatever it takes to win, and that's why they're consistently in the playoffs, regardless of who the quarterback is. I guess I shouldn't have been surprised. I did not know at the very beginning that Jordan Palmer, his brother, I assume it's Jordan, uh, his brother is, is the one who's training Joe Burrow. That's a little bit of a scary scenario for Bengals fans. We talk about po- I talk about power all the time. And guys who are the most dangerous, like right now I think Lamar Jackson's the most dangerous guy in football, and it's not just X's and O's. We're talking about Taysom Hill, who's thrown about a handful of passes and is 30 years old, and people want to make a serious argument about him being a franchise quarterback, and they're comparing it to Lamar Jackson. If we can't accept that Lamar Jackson's one of a kind and we're going to be stupid about this, then yes, Lamar Jackson's that that dangerous for other teams. Because you'll talk yourself into silly decisions based on Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's aren't made, they're born. Power is different. Power, I don't know how Joe Burrow is going to be. I know that Joe Burrow right now possesses an obscene amount for a guy who's never, ever played in the NFL and won't play in the NFL for some time here, at least by the end of the year. Joe Burrow possesses an obscene amount here because at number one overall, Cincinnati has a tough decision to make. And if you're Cincinnati, and I'm hearing this from Carson Palmer, and I heard the previous from Jason Lockenfora, I start to wonder about the old scenario because Jim Burrow, the father, is a coach. Joe's the son. And when your daddy's the coach and you've seen this before, that's scary because he knows how these things are supposed to work. Football, college and pro and in the top end both together, it's a very tight-knit community. These guys talk to each other. You're not surprising Jim Burrow, folks. He's seen it all. He's a retired football coach. He's been around a long time. He coached for Frank Solich. Frank Solich's been around a long time. They've seen it. They've heard it. They know the rumors. They know the big boys. They know the little boys. They know all of it. If you're Cincinnati and you want to take Joe Burrow and make sure that all this works, you've got to talk to Daddy. And you've got to tell him that, listen, I know we haven't always been 
the most forthright when it comes to, to, to paying people, when it comes to investments. They're the only team in the NFL without an indoor practice facility, which is silly but true. They have not necessarily paid the fiddler for these players. But there's another scenario here that makes Joe Burrow now the most powerful man in the NFL, and he's technically not employed in the NFL yet. I talked to Mo Egger of ESPN 1530 down in Cincinnati. This was earlier this year on my show, weekdays, from 6 to 10 in Cleveland. Mo Egger made no bones about the possibility of that team leaving Cincinnati in the future. Here's him. Everything the Bengals do is occurring against the backdrop of... You know, as you guys probably well know, they're in a bad stadium deal with with the county here. It expires in 2026. This is a franchise that has flirted with moving before. And, yeah, I mean, look, as much as people don't want to talk about it, the future of this franchise in Cincinnati is – Maybe not the most pressing issue, but it's it's not exactly on the back, back, back burner. It's This is going to become a front and center thing. And you have folks who, when they voted to build the, the current stadium 23 years ago, could not have imagined Cincinnati without the Bengals. And now I think they would almost embrace this city without the Bengals. You can find no shortage of people who have said, my Sundays are no longer spent living and dying with the Cincinnati Bengals. I've moved on from them. It's problematic when... You're in a publicly financed stadium. You're benefiting from the the most lopsided stadium agreement in all of sports. It has been a drain on the public, a drain on the public for a county that can't afford it. The lease is up. Uh, The team faces an uncertain future. There's no guarantee that they're going to be here in 2027. Good luck getting people to be enthusiastic about forking over another few billion dollars to the Cincinnati Bengals when they show no true desire to actually win. You, you you mean to tell me you expect people to be enthusiastic about that? No, I, I, no. So so yes, that that is that is a part of the narrative here. And it, as much as it's it's you know people who just love the football end of it don't like it when I bring that up. That is a thing. That is a thing. And the lost generation of fans again, fans are voters. We voted for one stadium. Uh, it's going to be up to the politicians that we vote for to determine That's... what the, the future of this team is going to be. Joe Burrow has the power to save or destroy football in Cincinnati. A quarterback can change everything. A quarterback, a good quarterback, has the ability to raise up a franchise, to help them overcome their shortcomings, and even smooth over some of the problems. The amount of things that Andrew Luck was able to distract Colts fans from, and Hickey knows this, is unbelievable. His career ended abruptly. But there was a time with Andrew Luck where Jim Irsay was in trouble, the Colts were in trouble. The, the thing was rotting underneath his feet. But you looked at the Colts as a real serious contender the years that Andrew Luck was there, even though it was a short time. Joe Burrow can do that. I think that Cincinnati's a better organization than what we want to give them credit for. I know that they're tight-fisted. I know that people can't stand the Browns, and they've become very apathetic towards them. But Duke Tobin's been there for a while. They've been able to draft decently over the past 15 years. They were snake-bitten a little bit by injuries. They might be able to get something for Andy Dalton. He might have a little bit of talent left in him. And if you're Cincinnati right now, you look at him and go, I don't, you know, people are saying maybe two of them might be better. Yeah, but I'm still worried about the injury, even though that all the stuff says he's clear. I'm, I'm a little bit nervous. So if you want Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow's the one who holds the cards. You got to go to him. You got to go to daddy. The daddy issue scares me. 
Not in the terms of dad's too involved. But when you have a dad who's a coach and has coached at a high level before, that guy's not going to be impressed by anything. He wants the very best for his kid. You've seen it a million times. These kids who are really, really good in Texas, their dads, they got some money. They're big fans. They pay for a couple of things. They think they know, but the second they get into some of these facilities, they walk around, they are out of their mind. They can't believe it. Then their kid goes out there and he sucks up the room. A guy whose dad's a coach, like Joe Burrow's dad, your dad starts to look around and go, I've seen all this before. I don't like it. And maybe we got to do what's best for our son. Maybe our son needs to do what's best for him and go, you know what? John Elway did it. His dad was a coach. Eli Manning did it. His dad was a great quarterback. His older brother, they've been through this before. This generation knows their power more than any generation previously. There's a transfer portal now. Kids know from the very beginning what their worth is, what they can do. They know that people are making money off their backs. They know that they need to get from a point C to a point A very quickly, from high school to college to the NFL as quickly as they possibly can. They're there. Boom, Joe Burrow's there. And you know from a period where he was already at Ohio State, left Ohio State, got an opportunity at LSU, made it a better opportunity at LSU with with Ed Orgeron. That kid is flying high right now and believes in himself and doesn't want to go and be pulled down by a bad organization. You have the opportunity opportunity if you're Cincinnati to make this thing one of a kind if you do want him if you believe that he is going to save you or he is going to be the future of your franchise you're going to sell hundreds of thousands upon thousands of tickets the tv revenue is there the ad revenue is going to there be there and he can lead your franchise end all this now talk to Jim get in his living room it's time for you as an NFL franchise to do some crouton. Get in there and talk to dad. He's just down the road. Say, I know our legend precedes us. Let's talk about this because we want this thing to we want this thing to go for 20 years and with a championship or five. Have you be a legend and have you be one of our greatest sons and save this? Because Mo Egger from ESPN 1530, when he's talking about that franchise moving. I know that you can bring up, well, he said they're pretty apathetic, Ken, and they might enjoy it. I'm sure there's more than a couple Bengals fans who don't like hearing such a thing. So while Andy Reid has power and Patrick Mahomes has power and they're at the top, ain't no one talking about people moving because of them. 855-2124-CBS. Up next, five burning questions. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. This is the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. All right, Hickey. Let me have it. All right, Ken. We're going to deliver only hot takes today. Five burning questions. Five burning hot takes. So we'll start, we started the show with it, but Browns defensive end Miles Garrett was reinstated back in the NFL earlier this week, and he doubled down on a claim that he told investigators months prior. When speaking with ESPN, Garrett said that Mason Rudolph called him the N-word while being tackled. Now, Rudolph vehemently denied those claims when they first leaked back in November and then doubled down earlier this morning, saying Mm -hmm. that that's a bold-faced lie. The NFL investigated and could not find such evidence of that word being used by Rudolph. So should the NFL reopen their investigation and punish either Rudolph for saying it or Garrett for lying about it? Nope. I think they ought to just let this one lie. I really do. I don't think they're—are you going to—I think that there is audio somewhere. 
okay? I refuse to believe that a billion-dollar industry industry didn't have something mic'd up that somebody could hear one way or the other. So this is what happens. If they release audio and it makes Miles Garrett out to be a liar, that's not going to look good. Uh, be a good look for the league. They don't want their number one overall pick looking like a liar. I'm sure they're not thrilled with their number one overall pick always calling them out, but I don't think they want that. Second of all, they don't want themselves to look like they've been covering up. Like, say Mason Rudolph did say it. I don't think they want to look like they're covering up. Well, they would look like they did. There's no looking like they would be. Covering up for a backup quarterback saying the N-word in a league that's 70% African-American. I don't think they want that either, especially with what's happened here over the last five years. So now that they've said there's no audio, they better make sure there's no audio. I think the NFL is just going to let this one go, and they're hoping that both parties do. But both parties, Miles Garrett double down, doubles down. Is Mason Rudolph not supposed to double down? If you say I said a, a racial slur, I'm going to deny it. Even if I did say it, if I'm Miles Garrett, Mason Rudolph, I'm going to deny it. And for fans, it's just up to which one are you a fan of? Are you a fan of Miles Garrett? Then you're going to think that Mason Rudolph said it, more than likely. If you're a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers or you just don't like Miles Garrett, you're going to say that Mason Rudolph didn't say it. So everybody's stuck in a hard place. If the NFL wants to open up another investigation, they can, but... If you're investigating and you didn't have audio, where else are you going to go? You can't just all of a sudden find audio. And if you do find audio, why why didn't you find the audio in the first place? So they better hope, and I do believe there's audio somewhere that either exonerates Mason Rudolph or proves Miles Garrett. You just better hope that never gets out there. I refuse to believe people spend millions of dollars and you can't find audio out there on the field. With what we have in 2020, 2019 at that time, no. No. You can believe it if you do, Hickey. Do you believe that? I mean, I, I think there should be a punch in one or another. I'm, I'm not here ready to say which way, which side I believe. But well, there, there, already was be. a, there already was a punishment. No, but uh, if, if Miles Garrett is making this claim and is lying about it, he should absolutely be punished. And if Mason Rudolph said it, he should absolutely be punished. And when you have Mason Rudolph, so I just want to push back on this really quick. If you have Mason Rudolph's lawyer coming out and saying legal action could be taken, don't you, if you're the NFL, have to get to the bottom? Like, isn't it worse for you if this actually does go to court and you know the law is going to find out one or another? If it's I think it would get thrown out of court. I think it would get thrown out you of court. Do. It's one side or the other. He's adamant that what Miles Garrett is, is adamant that he said it. Mason Rudolph's adamant that he didn't say it. But to, if I don't everyone, believe if it. There's mics all over the field. Wouldn't they want to at least hear the audio for themselves, the court that is? I mean, I guess they could, but again, I don't think the NFL wants any of that to go down. So again, the NFL is not going to investigate. You can get a court to try to investigate, and they could try to call in all the audio. But again, if they find that, the NFL better hide and duck and cover because it's going to be bad. If you if we find out in America that you only find a guy fifty thousand dollars for saying the N word, oh, oh boy, good luck with all that. And that doesn't. And people have been getting in, and I I keep seeing the calls. I'm just not going to take them. Well, you gotta. You guys, it doesn't. You can't just say that and then and then justify Miles. Miles says it doesn't justify what he did. Like if I'm out there in the street and I say that to somebody, yeah, I got what's coming to me. But that's I got what's coming to me until the cops show up. They're still going to arrest that guy for assault. A crime's a crime. They might do be lenient because I coaxed him into that. But a crime's a crime is a crime. That's why they wanted to press assault charges before. So it doesn't justify anything. The question here is, did the NFL do enough? Is there audio of a guy who...
who might have said the N-word to another player while they were out there on the field? That's the question. It's right. not about, well, so, they should there be have, punishment or not? Should there be punishment for Mason Rudolph? Is yeah, what you're if, asking? Yeah, yeah. If, if it you comes say, out if you and say, he says it. You can already, you can be, you, they've already proven, they've already said you can be, now I don't know if they'll ever do this, you can flag somebody for using that language on the field. You can find people for using that language on the field, according to the NFL. Yes. Yes, you can. Next. All right, so the Astros made their first public apology as a team on Thursday, or I should say at least they tried to. I don't know if that was a punishment. I don't know if that was, you know, I don't know. What, their apology? I said they tried I, to. Excuse me, I don't know if that was apology. I don't think that was. I'm with you. I, I was trying to be a little sarcastic there. Oh, okay, all right. So their Maybe. owner, Jim Crane, started it off by saying that the illegal sign stealing didn't impact the game for literally seconds after that, claiming that he never made those comments. Alex Bregg and Jose Altuve followed up with, at best, half-hearted and disinterested apologies. So what's worse in your mind? The actual illegal, the act of illegal cheating came out of the Astros or their so-called apology on Thursday? Probably the apology. A.J. Hinch went on the radio and already apologized, and people are going, okay, we forgive you. People love to forgive. America loves to forgive. We love it when you're contrite and we get to judge you and we can forgive you. Remember Andy Pettit? When Andy Pettit said, you know what, I messed up. I messed up. And people are like, okay, Andy, we love you still. Jason Giambi? All right, you guys got me. I was, I was, I was really desperate, and I decided that I was going to do some steroids. And people are like, that's okay, Jason. We forgive you. You look contrite. Rafael Palmero pointed at the Supreme Court. He pointed at all those senators. We haven't seen him since. When you do that and you double down and you end up being wrong, you're not contrite about it, oh, you get no quarter with us. Jim Crane's getting none. Next. So All-Star Weekend in the NBA is underway. As in Chicago tonight, the different skills competitions will take place. So the skills competition, well, obviously there will be a skills competition, I should say, excuse me. The three-point contest will feature a new twist this year that will include two racks of balls that will be six feet behind the three-point line and worth three points each. And then there will be the dunk contest as well that features the return of Dwight Howard, who went back in 2008, and Aaron Gordon, who had that insane... What's Dwight Howard going to do? He's going to dunk? Yes, he's in a dunk contest. He can still get up that high? He's going to try at least. We haven't really seen any practice, so we're not... Are we going to give him, like, a Tyco one, or what are we doing? Well, I mean, I guess we'll find out tonight. Aaron Gordon's in it, too. Remember his great slam dunk he had against... Uh, he finished runner-up to Zach Levine back in 2016. So those two guys are in it. So, I mean, it kind of ruined the question, right? But are you interested in any of these events? I like the dunk contest. I don't know why people complain about the dunk contest. It's hard to come up with different fun dunks. We love Home Run Derby. Home Run Derby is glorified batting practice, and we ooh and ah. And the baseballs are more tightly won than they ever have been. But we love Home Run Derby. It's the same thing. It's been the same thing for 80 years. Dunks, guys jump over cars, and people yawn. I, I don't understand that. You have to be creative. I love the dunk contest. I think the dunk contest is fine. So, yeah, I'm still interested, even though I made jokes about all the people who are in it. But still, I, I, I'm going to want to see it. I think it's fun. Yes. Next. All right, so we'll stick with the NBA All-Star Weekend. As now, oh, we will. Nice we'll stick time. with it. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that. We'll stick with it. Well yeah. done. Yeah. The NBA schedule okay. takes a, a nice break, so it could be a nice chance to look back, which are the 30 games remaining, on all of the action that's happened so far. The Raptors have surprised many with a 40-15 record without Kawhi Leonard, um, as Pascal Siakam's really blossomed in Toronto. The Heat have a very nice season behind Jimmy Butler, and that solid cast is the Heat are in fourth place in the East. The West, you have both the Thunder and Grizzlies in playoff spots, and above 500, 
despite low expectations heading to the year. So yeah. what's the most surprising team in the NBA so far this year? I think it's got to be the Toronto Raptors. To be 40 and 15, uh, I'm really surprised. I thought that they would probably have a falter. Pascal Siakam, you mentioned him. He's fantastic. You know, the Bucks at 46 and 8, to be that dominant, I think that that's a hell of a feather in their cap. The 76ers on the disappointing end, I, I, they're a fight against tanking. For all you guys who hate tanking, and in the NBA, people subscribe to it. That's the biggest thing, to be only a five seed. I know they've been banged up by injuries, and I know they've been better lately. People desperately want the, the 76ers to be better. They win three in a row. Are the 76ers back? Don't call it a comeback in the second half. It's like, eh. And they might be under the radar. I'll grant you that. But I think if people really want that to pan out, I don't know if it's going to pan out. Trusting the process hasn't looked so bad ever. I think Toronto's been a, a great success story. I think Memphis, too. Memphis with a young team, and I know they're an eight seed, and they'll probably bow out eventually here. Portland, I, I, I expect a better second half for the Portland Trailblazers, even though it ended up like turds this last week. They have a great young nucleus. I don't know if I'd trade that young nucleus for just about anybody in the league. I'm dead serious. I think that they can have a tremendous basketball team coming up here very shortly. They seem like they're playing for each other. The city's really started to rally around them. The stuff that they said about Andre Iguodala, I totally understand Andre Iguodala not wanting to be there. You're 36. They didn't trade for you for your basketball talent. They traded you to, to free things up. I love that the players went after him, though, because you want to be in it together. You want to believe each other. You want to be a try-hard basketball team. For them to do anything, they got to be a try-hard basketball team. So I totally support that. I totally support Memphis. Love what they're doing. Love what Toronto's doing. Very disappointed in the Philadelphia 76ers. Next. I will finish up with this. After Steve Cohen's deal to buy the New York Mets fell through, the Wilpons, who are right now the current owners, are putting the team back up for sale via... Sell it to John Spano. John Spano, okay. What about one name that's possibly rumored to uh, get in the bidding is Alex Rodriguez. The New York Post uh, reported Friday that Rodriguez is, quote, kicking the tires on possibly entering the auction to try and buy the team. Now, A-Rod claims to be a childhood Mets fan who idolized Keith Hernandez growing up, and he has made appearances at both Merrill Lynch and J.P. Morgan investment conferences. So would you want A-Rod as owning or as your team's owner? You could say a lot about A-Rod as a, being a goofball, and he kind of is. He seems to love baseball. I think I think he might not be a bad owner. I think he would try to bring in free agents and spend money and actually be what a team in, based in New York City should be and try to be a contender. I can't believe I'm saying this. I think that Alex Rodriguez loves baseball. I think that if you watch baseball over time, he's one of the people that I think we've forgiven Maybe you disagree. Maybe Billy Jack disagrees. I think we've really done a lot of forgiving with uh, with Alex Rodriguez lately. I think he could be a pretty good owner. Aren't you a Mets fan, Hick? Oh, yeah, huge Mets fan. What do you think? I'll take Alex Rodriguez. Really? You don't disagree? No, I don't do Yeah, I'm with you. I think, you know, talking about apologies of people loving to forgive, I mean, that is maybe the poster challenge for that, right? And he's really turned his life around. And again, to your point, really seems to love baseball. Wow. Billy. Billy. Yes, Ken. Aren't you a Mets fan? I am. What do you think? I'd be fine with it. Is it anything better than the Wilpons? Yes. Anything is better than the Wilpons, to be fair. Yeah, James Dolan? He'll spend money. <laughs> He'll oh, spend damn money. It, damn it, that's right. <laughs> Everything else might be a mess, but he will be out there trying to get every free agent to come to New York. 
That's amazing. He's in New York and no one even wants his money. Crazy, right? He owns the Knicks. They play in the garden and no one wants to take his money. The highest valued franchise in the NBA. No one wants to play there. Ah, that's fantastic. Sucks to be him. Is that five burning questions? That's five. Great job, my friend. Great job. Coming up next, you know, Mel Tucker's not a bad guy, but he did make an ugly decision. And you know what? These, uh, this is the this and the best QB for Bill. That's what happens when you're on cold medicine. I got the best QB for Bill, not named Tom Brady. Maybe Tom Brady should be listening. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. This is the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio. 855-212-4CBS. Speak now forever. Hold your peace. I'll bring up the Bill Belichick and Tom Brady thing next week. Ain't nothing going to happen. Don't worry about that. I got to get this off my chest. Also, CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line. It's brought to you by Geico. Make sure you go to geico.com. You can save total a ton of money, 15% or more. On car and auto insurance, they can make it, or auto and home insurance, they can bundle it. They do a great job. Trust me. Geico.com. Hickey, I told you I'd tell you the story, and I forgot until right now because this whole day's been a mess. I've been under the weather the whole thing. And I'm supposed to go to dinner tonight. I got to take all the quill and get going. I, uh, I'm part of, huh, how do I put this? Am I part of the problem or am I part of the solution? Hickey asked me, and I told the story on, in Cleveland back on Thursday, uh, but I had a, I had myself a bit of a run-in on Wednesday night with an all-time NBA legend. So, Billy, you'll like this story, too. Wednesday, I went to a Cavs game. I went to the Cavs game for the first time in probably about six years, actually physically going to the Cavs game. Are you guys ready for this record? I can't wait. Before Wednesday night's Cavs game, I was 0-13 lifetime at Cleveland Cavaliers basketball games. I had never seen them win. I have actually, I have a winning, I have no idea my baseball record. I assume it's a winning record. I've been to plenty of Indians games. Uh, Football, I've been to, would now be 37 Cleveland Browns games at home as a fan and and doing, you know, the broadcast, things like that with the the radio station. I am 20 and 17 all time. I actually have a winning record at home at Cleveland Browns football games. How about that? So backwards for Cleveland. It is. The Cavs and the Browns. It it is. It is. Yes. Uh, I am 0-13. And people go, did you go during the LeBron era? I didn't go during the second era because I was afraid something really bad was going to happen. Like, I was afraid, like, okay, if I say something and I go there and, like, LeBron gets hurt, I'm going to have to change my name and move to another town. But the first game I ever saw them play in, because my dad was not a basketball fan, and I'm from Canton. It's about 55, 60 miles away is I saw them when they played the Nets, and Vince Carter was on the Nets at that time. And I saw them, and they lost by 31. My buddy's grandma had a sweet first ever Cavs game I went to. They lost by 31. The next year or two years later, I went to a Cavs game. It might have been the next year. They lost by 18 on opening night. And then I got the job here at the station. I worked the night show. I was with my wife. We were living in Tremont. Boom, I'll go over to the Cavs game. I saw them lose 11 more times. I was 0-13 going into Wednesday night's game. So the Cavaliers start out. They're starting out hot. Things are good. And we're in the third quarter. And we they did a nice touching tribute to Vince Carter at the beginning of the second quarter. He walked out the half court and did the wave to everybody. You know, he's played in what? How many decades? Part of four decades? Isn't that what it is now? It's amazing. 
And, you know, I was happy to see Vince Carter. And my buddy's seats were incredible. We were, like, right behind. I, I've never sat this close. I've never even sat lower bowl for an NBA game. And they were right behind. It's not like Francesa now. We were right behind the uh, Atlanta Hawks bench. So there's a timeout called. And during the timeout in the third quarter, Hickey, you still with me? During the timeout, I look over and the ref has this puzzled look on his face. And I look over to my my left, and there's Trey Young, and Trey Young is shouting at this ref. Now I guess Trey Young was later teed up. I didn't I didn't see it, but I go. I just stood up, and the Cavs are really giving it to the Hawks now. They're up like 14. I'm feeling good, having a good time. Cavs are kicking ass. I got a chance to see my first ever Cavs win. This is great. And I see Trey Young, and he's giving it back to the ref. And I stand up, and my buddy Lima stands up with me. And he's not yelling like I'm yelling because, again, I don't realize my voice just rolls down a hallway. And I go, he can't talk to you like that. Don't you take that from him. Tee him up. He hasn't been in this league long enough to tell that to you. He hasn't earned it. I'm yelling. I get done yelling that. I sit back down. I'm looking over at Trey Young over to my left. NBA All-Star Trey Young. I'm looking over to my left. I look back in front of me. I turn to look straight. Six feet away, Vince Carter. He is looking right at me. I look up at him. He looks down at me. And I give this thing like I point to me. I go, me? And he goes, you. And I like kind of stand up and I look at him. And he goes, you better knock it off right now. And he kept looking at me, and then he, like, looked back over to the bench and went back over to the bench, and, like, the lights were down because they were in a commercial break, and, you know, the dance teams, da 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 And I look over at the security guard and go, can I, can I get thrown out of here? The security guard looks at me and goes, you might. I, I, did, I didn't say anything. He goes, yeah, if you want you gone, you're gone. And he, like, looked back over at me. He's like, you better be quiet over there. And I'm like, what the hell did I do? Like, Hickey, I didn't think that that was that bad. That is one of the nicest things, I'm sure. Like, obviously, you know, players will hear it all the time, right? So I think anytime they stop and say something is when it's really egregious. Yes. That would be the nicest thing ever screamed at a player. I've never, I swear to you, I swear to you, I didn't cuss. I did not cuss because I've heckled players before in a previous, hell, I actually heckled players as, as a grown man at a minor league baseball game. Uh I mean, I've heckled players before, but I always know, hey, keep it clean. Don't get too personal. You know, whatever. I made sure not to cuss, Hickey. That, the content that you would have had on the morning show, if you got kicked out and people I thought in the for a second I was getting thrown out. Escorted out. Morning show host escorted out of the Cavs game. Would and have I looked been up. Electric. And I didn't, you know, the, the Hawks are a young basketball team. Vince Carter is by far, he's as old as the head coach. He, the, he and the head coach are the same age. And when I said it, like I did, I didn't think it was that bad, and I, I really did. I thought I thought Trey Young was overstepping his bounds as an NBA basketball player, yelling at the ref the way he was. I mean, he was getting, like walking towards the ref and yelling at the ref. I really thought that the I, I really thought that he was overstepping his bounds as a fan. And I said what I said. I and I just should have I should know that like yeah, Vince Carter is like the dad of the basketball team. Maybe I should have known better, Billy. Maybe you're a big Nets fan. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation. And then we had people calling me up, and they're going, well, at least Vince Carter talked to you. Got that going for you. He didn't cuss either. 
He just goes, you better not. Like, he was my father. You better knock it off right now. I'd be intimidated by that. I was. Vince Carter has been throwing down on people since I was in grade school. So there is something where I saw Vince Carter, you know, living with my parents when I was 14 years old, waking up on Saturday morning, paper route, sports center. Like, I saw Vince Carter then. I saw Vince Carter, Nike commercial Vince Carter, with Jason Williams dribbling the basketballs, Rashid, the whole thing. It was like talking to it was talking to a basketball legend. The man is a Hall of Famer. The man will be a Hall of Famer and at one point was one of the greatest basketball players in the world. And now he's still one of the greatest basketball players in the world because he's an NBA player, but he's in a different role. Like he had the big wrap around his stomach because, you know, the back and the and the belly, it ain't what it used to be. And he's he's just making it through the season and he is like a daddy on that team. He's a veteran. He knows how to run the offense. He played eight minutes the other night. And I was so thrilled to see Vince Carter. I'm taking pictures of him while he's going through the layup line and the whole thing. And then in that moment, I go, oh, my God, Vince Carter yelled at me. It felt exactly like I was eight years old and my father told me to pick up my toys and I had the balls to tell him no. I was terrified. Terrified. So that's the Vince Carter story, Hick. You happy? Yes, that lived up to it and more. That was funny. You better knock it off right now. And I thought for sure I was getting thrown out. That 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 security guard wanted to throw somebody out so bad. So bad. I didn't get a chance to go into my white night of the media about all these people defending Mel Tucker. Real quick, in the next 30 seconds, Mel Tucker's making $6 million. He said he was staying in a place. He decided to leave that place. Fans are allowed to be upset because a coach leaves. Okay? I'd do the same thing. I'd expect fans to be mad at me. A big thanks to everybody who is listening. I hope you're not mad at me. Have a wonderful weekend, my friends. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.